Good morning, Rejoiner Nation, or good afternoon, or evening, maybe good night, I don't know. We're back, it's the new year, on episode 42 of Rejoiner's Live, we sat down with Mike Wisman from Next Opportunity Events. In 2014, his wife Brandy and him realized there was no ultra marathons in Kentucky, so they decided to get right into directing races. And since then, they've put on some of the best premier races in the Midwest, like the Big Turtle 50 Miler, Warhammer 100, and Brakes Ultra. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a fun one. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. If you were expecting me to do the intro that Wesley does, you are wrong. I will not be doing that this evening. Uh, tonight, we have an awesome episode. We have Mike Missman from Next Opportunity Events. Uh, in 2014, his wife, Brandy, and him decided to uh, make a this race company because of the fact that there was no races in Kentucky. Uh, so they started directing races and they put on some of the most premier races in the Midwest. Maybe you heard of them, the Big Turtle 50 Miler, the Warhammer 100, Bluegrass Reaper, Breaks, Cha- Breaks Ultra, and uh, the Cave Run Lake Marathon, as well as the Rough Trail 50K. So we are in for a great treat tonight. Uh, Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I appreciate you guys chatting with me. It's fun. Great way to kick off the year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, per usual, we'll start with our normal uh, beverage drinking of choice this evening. I mm-hmm. am drinking a uh, gin and tonic because I'm all out of beer. Um, so that's what I had in the cabinet. Um, what are you drinking, Mike? I am, don't pick on me, I'm going on non-alcoholic <laughs> this evening with an ale 8 straight from Kentucky, which is a fine ginger ale. Perfect uh, trail running drink. But... I'm at the age now where I can't drink too late at night or I don't get up in the morning. So, <laughs> How about you, Cam? What are you drinking with us this evening? All right. Well, I have a pretty classic thing going with an IPA as per usual on our show. This is a Land Grant Brewing Osher IPA. Sure. Nice. So if we want to get started right now and uh, we can explain to everyone who's listening what um, maybe give us a background or a history briefly of uh, next opportunity um, and how it kind of that started. Yeah, well, I'll skip all. I mean, I'll, I'll just hit the, the interesting parts, I guess. So we started in, in 2015. Um, so we do, as you said in the intro, we've done everywhere from from two events a year up to eight events a year in Eastern Kentucky, mainly in Southwest Virginia. Uh, We started in 2015 because I started to get into trail running. I I did an ultra or two down in Georgia. And I realized as I got into the trail running community that, you know, everybody else in the state was doing what I was doing, which was leaving Kentucky to do their trail running. Uh, So they were all going to Ohio or Virginia or Georgia or Tennessee or uh, wherever, everywhere but Kentucky to do their trail racing because there weren't any. Now, there have been a few around like um, in 2013 or 2014, there was a half marathon, a uh, trail half marathon that sprung up. And there's always been this race called Land, Land Between the Lakes um, out west in western Kentucky. So there's it's not like there weren't any, but there were there were maybe just those two. Uh, so uh, we really, you know, I've got a background in in project management as my boring career and had done event planning in the past. And so we just decided that um, after some failed attempts to like get a group together to like form some sort of grassroots race planning organization, after those attempts failed, we were just like, let's just make a race, just the two of us. So me and Brandy, my wife, we just, we made a couple races back in 2015 and did those again in 2016. And, um, yeah, we, and we expanded and then we shrunk back down again. And this year we've, we've added a couple more. So, um, it's, it's been truly a, a fake it till you make it kind of thing. I don't know that we made it yet cause we're still very much faking it. Um, but you know, we're just kind of seeing what works and some races haven't survived. And as you mentioned, like this year, we've got two brand new ones. Um, so, so yeah, that's the, that's the real quick and dirty of just how we got started. We got started cause you know, there were a lot of trail runners here and they were all leaving the state to go do their trail running. And obviously everybody else in the country was not coming to Kentucky. To So a big thing for us has always been tourism um, because we do these races in these rural, rural communities in Southwest Virginia and Eastern Kentucky. And 
um, having a couple hundred trail runners come in for the weekend and get hotels and buy gas and go to restaurants and stuff. That's, that's good for that community. So, um, it was important for us to, to get people from around the country to come to Kentucky too, just to kind of boost those local economies, even for just a weekend on a, on a small scale. So, um, so that's kind of what, what we were all about in the beginning and how we got started was just because there, there wasn't any trail running and I felt like we had the skill set to make it happen. And so we, we spent $250 of our own money to like in, make an LLC and uh, run some Facebook ads and it took off from there. Yeah. Things have been working out pretty well since then. Um, what was your guys' first race? What was the first one you put on? So the first one that we ever announced was the Rough Trail 50K, and that's in in Red River Gorge in Eastern Kentucky, a really popular spot for rock climbing, hiking, um, paddle sports, you name it. Um, uh, and so that was the first one that we like launched and got out there. And once we started marketing that race, um, had a friend from here in, in Lexington where I live um, from the local running shop. He contacted me and was like, yo, I, uh, I went to a... I went to a wedding at this tree farm a few years ago. Um, here's their number. You might want to check them out. Uh, so I just, I called this, this Christmas tree farm and that turned into a, a race that we did for four years called the hot, hot hundred. It was a, it was this crazy 10 K loop where there was a hundred K relay. So basically like people would do 10 K at a time as relay teams and just hang out and drink beer and run all day. And, um, yeah, so we did that one for four or five years, um, and yeah, it's one of those that we that we axed. We don't we no longer do that one for a couple of different reasons, which we can get into if you want. But um, that was actually the first. The Hot Out Hundred was the first one we actually did uh, back in 2015. That one was in August, even though we launched the other one first, marketing wise. The Hot Out Hundred was the first race we ever did, and if you look at, I might have some photos on our on our website from it. If not, I should put some up because it was. Uh, it was funny. I had two tiny little flags, like one pop-up tent, I think like two folding tables. It was really just like, let's show up and see if anybody comes to run. <laughs> and we had, we had nothing. No, I think I bought a, a like a, a Bluetooth speaker at Costco. Like that was our, our big event operation at the time. Love it. Love those little speakers when you get to a place and you're like, what in the, yeah. but, um, but eventually grow from there, obviously. Um, yeah. No, it's awesome. And I, I love how there's this constant trend with, um, you know, groups of people who start like these race companies, in these areas, it's always like there's a lack of local running and there's always this drive for the community build. Like you were talking about, like bringing people down to that area. Um, and there's, you know, obviously Kentucky's known for bourbon. So that's probably, I'm sure that that plays into a lot of it. People coming to visit, like they can go like, oh, we're going to do some bourbon stuff and go for a run. I mean, that's a win. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then you've got good trails down there. I mean, there's, you know, uh, Appalachia cuts through that area too. So there's, you know, there's some pretty rugged stuff that you can get out there if you wanted. So I always love those trends. But, um, yeah, it was important. I think one thing that was important for us too, as we started to grow and we realized, you know, after that first year or two and realized like that, that we were making an impact, you know, these local communities were, they were happy to see the races go on, even though, you know, the first time you go into a place and you're like, I want to, I'm going to put on a, you go and, and sit down in this tourism meeting with these, you know, uh, this, these small community members. And, um, you're like, I want to bring in 200 people and they're going to run 50 miles. Um, and it's just a completely foreign idea and they don't get it. But after they see it happen and they're like, and they hear all the, like the cabin owners are like, Jesus, we were booked that weekend, you know? Um, it turns out, you know, to have a really big impact. And, you know, one thing that we're, that we're working toward now is I want to show people that Kentucky isn't just horses and bourbon that's played out and that's boring to me, honestly. So yeah, do that while you're here, but like come for the running, you know, come for the outdoor adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, it's way more than just horse races and, and rich people drinking bourbon. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> Michael, you have already touched on this a little bit, but how do you get people from these rural communities and uh, being from like a very rural part of Ohio myself, I kind of understand this, who see all these outsiders, a lot of people from cities come in for just a weekend and maybe really distrustful of it. How do you get them to sort of trust you right away to like let you put on this race 
or is it just sort of a, you have to just wait and see, and then you'll see how much like economic impact this has right away. Like as soon as the race is happening. That's part of it. That's part of it for sure. It's just, you know, you got to make it happen that first time and then it be successful. I mean, if you do it and you lay an egg, then it doesn't matter how, how, how much they trusted you before, you know? So that's certainly part of just doing the race and putting on a good event uh, and a, and a profitable event, both, you know, not just for me, but for the community, mm -hmm. that's important, but it's also, you know, it's a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up in West Virginia. So part of it's, you know, just up in my Southern accent a little bit when I go talk to people. Um, but no, it, seriously, it's, it's just a lot of going, driving to these communities and meeting with people um, rather than sending an email, you know, like, cause you gotta, you gotta, when you're planning a, an event like this, you, you have to deal with a whole lot of different people, everybody from, of course, like if you're in the national forest, which a lot of my races are, you're you're dealing with the the people at the forest service, which are federal employees. But you're also going down and you're you're meeting with tourism boards and uh, local EMS people who often in those communities that's not their full time job. They're like uh, an EMT on the side, where you know, um, and. So a lot of it is just taking the time to, you know, take a day off and drive down and meet with people face to face. So they, you're, they're not just getting an email from somebody in the city because I, I live in Lexington. So um, if all they do is just get an email or phone call from me and never like they're not, I'm just some guy from Lexington. But if I go down there and I'm, I meet with people and I, I can actually sit down in a room with people, um, then they get to know me and they can ask me actual, they can ask me questions and tell me what their concerns are. And I can kind of explain it, you know, like why are people running 50 miles or like, what is a hundred K? How far is that? You know, um, it's, it's just too hard to introduce in an email or even a phone call half the time. So it's just, it's just a lot of face to face really is, is what it comes down to. I think, um, once people get to know you just like, just like any part of life, really, like once people get to know you, uh, they, they they'll start to trust you, you know? So yeah, it's a lot, a lot of face-to-face -face stuff. And then just, like you said, getting that first one, getting that first one done and it not sucking. Yeah. And once you get yeah, that, that like, totally makes sense. Ahead, <laughs> I was just probably the same thing you were saying, John, that makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. that you would have to do that. But as a, as a follow-up question, you mentioned, you know, when you started this company, you know, there were really no races in Kentucky. Right. And, but you knew that there was a community you know, and they were going to Ohio, they were going to Virginia, they were going to Georgia. How would, were you able to figure out that there was demand for a race that was local and where was that demand specifically at? It was in Red River Gorge, um, okay. which is, it's about 45 minutes from where I live in Lexington. So um, all, the, all the runners, there's a huge running community here in this city, um, road runners and trail runners, uh, because there's a great city just south of us called Berea, which is where I went to college, uh, lived there for a long time. They've got a great little trail system down there. It's a nice little trail town. And then about 45 minutes southeast of us here is Red River Gorge, which, you know, is, is the, the famous outdoor adventure spot in Eastern Kentucky. Um, so, you know, as I started running and getting in with this community, that's where everybody from Lexington and around goes to run trails. And, you know, I just kept hearing, you know, everybody's saying, man, it'd be awesome. If somebody would do an ultra out here. Somebody should do an ultra out here. Just hearing that over and over and over. Like all these sort of answers about like why it could never happen. So that was why that was the demand was I, I was hearing people, um, from Lexington and all around the area, uh, in Eastern Kentucky, um, just talk about like, man, it would be cool if somebody would, but like, nobody will. So, uh, we just decided to do it. So, and then when we did it, you know, we saw, I think we had 120 people come that first year. Um, and then th and we've sold it out every year since, uh, that the rough trail 50 K that we do in Red River Gorge. So that was the initial demand was just, let's do an ultra in Red River Gorge, our sort of home trails. And, um, let's see if it happens. Wasn't looking to start a business or anything necessarily. Um, but then when we saw, holy shit, like 120 people showed up for our little like, thing with our Bluetooth speaker and one little flag, I bought it fast, the sign shop down the road. Um, and that, that kind of reaffirmed like, oh, people will, 
people do like this and people will come to Kentucky to do this. Um, if the race is right, you know, there's a lot of factors, but you know, uh, that, that just showed us that there was a demand out there. Um, if we made the right kind of event, you know? Yeah, of course. And so with that said, I'm thinking now, right. So I'm sure you were hearing a lot of these people say, Oh, it'd be great to have an ultra at the red. Right. But what kind of an ultra were they looking to get? I know I'm always in like Michael Owens ear telling him to start this one particular race that I think I'm one of about a dozen people who wants to run, you know? So was it a lot of demand for a specific race or was it really just open-ended and you had to kind of come up with a course and decide what distance you wanted to do? It was the latter. Like I didn't really seek any, any specific input. It was a lot of these just like passive comments, you know, you'd be out on a, on a run with somebody on a Saturday morning and while you're while you're huffing up this climb somebody's like man it'd be cool if somebody would do an ultra out here but i, I never really press like do you mean 50k or 50 miler and uh, really the red river gorge for as popular as it is it doesn't there's not really a, a way to do anything bigger than a 50k really <laughs> like once i started looking at maps it was it was hard to get that much you know and, and that's you know the, the rough trail 50k has several little out and back sections where you have to do the same little section um, twice. Um, so, uh, no, there was nothing. I just, it was just kind of, I got a map and, and looked at it and tried to figure out where we could park people. And then from there, where could you run to get enough miles for a, for any kind of race? I think I started out with it being a marathon initially, and then just managed to add in a few more miles to, to make it an official 50 K. So now there, there, it, for that one in particular, there wasn't any specific um, demand, I guess, or or anything. I was I didn't even know too many trail runners at the time, so I couldn't even ask people. Most of my trail running friends I've met because they ran my races, and I met them at the at the races when I first started. I didn't know too many trail runners, so I just uh, I remember I would get I would go into a conference room at work because I was working for the local uh, um, Kentucky Community College system and. I would leave my cubicle and go into the conference room during my lunch break and spread out this big ass map of Red River Gorge. And uh, up on the whiteboard, I'd be like, okay, this trail is four miles. And then this one is three. And I would be adding it up just, okay, so I'm up to 18 miles. Okay, fuck, how do I get like more? So that's all the, that's all that first race was, was just me and a map and, and, you know, just me and Brandy just going out and, and running it a lot, you know? Now those those challenges that you had with trying to find the distance is that just because of that area is there not enough trail or is it just hard to find ways to connect different trails uh like in a safe manner or anything like that i think it was a matter of um i think it's a matter of just trying to connect them all mm -hmm. you know it's easy to to look at a section of trail and be like yeah we could do that sure but um, but then when you actually start thinking about a race and you're like, oh, that's 15 miles of trails with no roads anywhere, like you can't get an aid station anywhere near in there, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's when you have to start eliminating pieces because you got to start thinking about where can I put an aid station, you know? Um, so yeah. And, and plus the, the Red River Gorge just doesn't have like, I think the longest trail there continuously from point to point is like eight miles before you have to, it's just, it's a network of all these short little trails that go all over the place, you know, through that area. Um, and of course it, you have the Sheltoe Trace, which is the Sheltoe Trace National Recreation Trail, which is a 300, almost 350 miles, um, goes from Moorhead, Kentucky, all the way down into Tennessee. That goes through Red River Forge. But again, I think it was just, it, the challenge is just a matter of seeing all these little sections and then how do you connect them all for like a a route that you know that's good where there's not too you don't have too too many aid stations but you don't have too much distance between aid stations it's it's all a maddening mess trying to create a race route man yeah definitely understand that having just played around with the strava uh strava route creator a few times being like how would this actually even work you know but with that said, we do have our first question from the live chat tonight. It's from Wesley Harton, um, whom you all know and love. He asks, have you felt support from trail runners in other communities? Uh, how have runners from Ohio and surrounding areas responded to your races? Ohio kicks ass. Indiana kicks ass. Um, not that other states don't kick ass, but I'm just saying we get, um, 
out other than Kentucky, Ohio and Indiana are, are number one, number two, as far as um, participants from those states. Um, I think that's probably just a matter of, of how easy it is to get from there to here. You know, there's not a, there's not an interstate that really goes from Virginia into Kentucky or, you know, um, so I, I have, you know, a big time. I've had a lot of, um, a lot of participants have come from this region of the country, you know, central Appalachia and the Southeast, um, we'll get into whether Kentucky is Southeast or Midwest or whatever the hell it is. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, totally. Um, and I don't think even if there's low attendance from these other States, I don't think, I don't see that as a lack of support like Tennessee, for instance, I don't get a lot of runners from Tennessee, even though I'm only two hours from the Tennessee border. Um, but I think, I think that's, I think that's more a factor of just, there's, if I'm living in Knoxville, I have a lot of options. You know, I, as far as like, I can be over in North Carolina really quickly or South Carolina or Georgia or Kentucky or, you know, so I don't think that's like Tennessee doesn't like us. I just think, you know, people in Tennessee have a lot of options. So, uh, but yeah, I, I totally feel like we've had a ton of support. I, I have a lot of great friends up in Indiana who like, I I never would have, gone to indiana or certainly would never would have met anybody in from indiana had they not come down for my races but the the indiana trail runners group in central indiana they're awesome i have a lot of great friends there i've uh, made a lot of great friends in in west virginia um through this uh through this venture so yeah I've totally I, I think there's a great little community particularly around this even smaller sub-region if you will of um indiana ohio kentucky west virginia um in East Tennessee. Um, and I get a lot, a lot of, a lot of participants, participants from Georgia also. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really great. Um, I do want to point out that you did say Ohio kicks ass. And in response to that, Wesley said, put that on a t-shirt in the chat. Mentally, I made a note. I was like, we should clip that for social. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can take that out and post. Um, yeah. <laughs> and maybe I but no, I do, I do get a lot of people from Ohio uh, attending our races, yes. Yeah. And so with that said, another Ohio guy, uh, former guest on the show, Samuel Hartman, uh, he ran at breaks earlier this year. He is asking in the chat, um, could Mike envision a multi-day stage race from Moorhead to Big South Fork on the Sheltoe Trace Trail? Mm. <laughs> I can envision it, Sam. I can envision it. I don't know if I would ever want to do it. Um, but I, it's possible, but the, the Sheltoe trace is a, is a tough trail to do a race on. We did the, as Sam well knows, uh, he, uh, he ran the Warhammer 100 back in 2019. Um, and that's our, the hundred miler that we do, which we're doing again this year on a completely different route. Uh, so we basically, we kept the, we kept the, the race name and the logo, but we moved it to a different part of Kentucky entirely mainly because that section that that Sam and others ran in 2018-2019 is just a it's tough to put on a race um because there's a lot of road um and that's fine that's whatever in my opinion I don't get I'm not I don't throw a hissy fit over road running um but those roads do go past like some residences and you encounter dogs that are not that friendly and you running through um, different communities, man, in Eastern Kentucky, you know, um, it's like we were talking about at the beginning, you got to get buy-in from these people because you're going to, you're going to ask them to volunteer and come out to the aid station, especially these, these super long distance races. You can't just like show up uh, into one of these tiny little towns and be like, I need 20 people who are willing to volunteer from 6 PM until noon the next day. Okay. Like they're like, fuck off, get out of here. Mm -hmm. Um, so <laughs> that's, and, and that race, when we did it on that route, uh, in 2018, 2019, went through nine different counties. So that was like nine different little, little sub communities, the little subcultures that I had to, that, uh, that we had to go into and talk to and get them to buy into. And some of them did, some of them didn't, um, <laughs> Man, some big ass like three hundred mile race would be um, a beast. I would never do it. 
Sam, I would never do it. <laughs> um, uh, one, because I've sworn off point-to-point races, sworn them off. Um, and I just, I, I'm not at a point in my life where I could dedicate that much time to a, a multi-day race. I uh, would be happy to volunteer for someone else's race <laughs> if they want to try that. But you know, like I'm just, um, I'm, I've got other another job or two plus three kids. I couldn't do like a five-day stage race. Not not going to happen for me. <laughs> All right. And so with that said, a few thoughts. First, I hope Michael Owen's listening for the free idea. Um, he well, may also have some kids <laughs> um, and may not right, want to yeah. do a point-to-point stage race, but it'd be your first race outside of Ohio. So, you know, just saying. But um, also Samuel, who I know definitely has interest in running the full thing, uh, the full shelter we trace trail, also said, is, are you going to set the new FKT on that route this year? Me? Yes. I'll, I'll be honest. I want to. I, I want to attempt it. I, I would love to attempt it um, northbound from from the, the southern ter- terminus and finish up in Moorhead. I would love to. And I've actually um, I put it on my calendar and we'll just see how the summer goes. I signed up for two 100-milers this year. I've never done a 100-miler um so i signed up for two of them and i would love to try and i and my plan right now is is to try um i don't even know what the current mileage for the trail is honestly because i haven't done a ton of research yet so it's been 323 for a while and they've expanded it a little bit and it's gonna be 350 it's not quite 350 yet so i don't know but i would love to give it a shot and i i I think I've got some free time in late April or or, um, late September. I mean, so I might give it a run if I like, if all goes well and I do this hundred miler in May uh, and then the summer goes well, I'll give it a shot. I don't, we'll see. Well, we'll be uh, excited Uh to watch that um, uh, and and follow that. If that happens in that time, Uh, we've got another question from Caleb Bowen in the chat says any advice on, on someone running big turtle for the first time, um, and we want to preface the last time Caleb Bowen asked this question in a chat, he ended up winning the race. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay. I see where he's going with it. for uh, the big turtle. Um, I mean, just it's, it's, I guess my, my one advice, my one piece of advice I always give everybody for the big turtle is not really, it's just a tip more than like training advice or anything, but it just, it's a really hard race to train for. It's not, it's not the hardest race you're ever going to run in terms of the terrain. It doesn't have a shitload of elevation or anything, but it gets really fucking hot in late April in Kentucky. The problem is up until mid April, it's really fucking cold. So like it's freezing up until the first week or two of April. And then it just gets 80 degrees all of a sudden. So you have no way to actually um, acclimate. And we have so many people at the big turtle, uh, 50 miler who drop out just cause uh, they get dehydrated cause they've been training all winter for this race. They're in great shape. Um, but it just, you know, you show up on race morning and it's, we, we had it a couple of years ago. It was like 36 when it started and it got up into the high seventies that afternoon. It's just, it, it's so weird in Kentucky in April and May, like, Summer starts in June, but like who knows what April is going to be like. So, um, I think it's just if if nothing else, if if you're uh, signed up for the Big Turtle this year or you're thinking about it in the future, um, it's always the last weekend, last ish weekend of April in Eastern Kentucky. It's it's always going to be a hot afternoon. I think always, even even the times we've had it rain, it's still just like a hot, steamy rain. But you can't get it really any too many good hot training days in leading up to it. Um, so here, uh, if you, if you have access to a treadmill, you know, uh, bundle up and run on a treadmill inside just to make yourself sweat and be really uncomfortable. Just if nothing else, just mentally go into it, understanding that it's going to be really hot and don't be taken uh, by surprise by that. I, I guess that's the, that's the biggest thing that I see at that particular race. Uh, good advice here. We'll see if Caleb wins it. Um, <laughs> he's a pretty fast kid. The um, chat is lighting up with people who are talking about trying to convince other people in the chat to race your races. So um, it's pretty good right now. They're talking about the um, 
breaks and they said highly recommended to run breaks um so that's it's good to hear um this this coming year you've got some new ones mm-hmm. so yep. you want to talk about those a little bit and dive into those and what they're about yeah you know i thought you know it's what better time to expand the business than than during a pandemic where you're not allowed to have events i thought that was just a, a good move for our business so yeah um we got two new events, one in August, one in October. Um, the Bluegrass Reaper Challenge in August is, and the Cave Run Lake Marathon in October. Uh, the Cave Run Lake Marathon is straight up um, trail marathon. Nothing weird about it. Just a nice, pretty marathon um, by a lake. Uh, we're going to start and finish right on the beach by the, by the big-ass lake at Cave Run. And um, yeah trail marathon in, in the fall. It's going to be really pretty. Um, the other one, the bluegrass reaper challenge is actually an idea that I got from a buddy of mine who does, um, name his name's Matt Hammersmith who does upstate ultra is his organization down in South Carolina. Um, and he does uh, a race called the Carolina reaper challenge. And it's a 2.6 mile loop on, on a paved path. I think he's moved it to a, a trail facility now. Um, and the, the, and so we've sort of mimicked that because I did his race a, a couple of years ago and came home, had the time of my life at his race down in South Carolina. So I kind of, um, called him up afterwards. I was like, dude, I, I want to do this in Kentucky. Are you cool with it? I'm not trying to steal your idea or anything, but like, this is a kick-ass race. So, and of course he's, he's awesome. Um, and so I'm kind of doing a, a version of his race here and we're sort of co-promoting. Um, he's going to come up, come up and help me time it. I'm going to come down for his race and at least run it if nothing else. So um, we got a great relationship there between uh, South Carolina and Kentucky going on uh, with two of us, but uh, the race is 2.6 mile loop on a paved path in Berea, Kentucky. Uh, you start the lap every 40 minutes. So um in this sort of vein of a backyard ultra, when you get done, the faster you run, the more time you have to rest. So if you run the race and if you run the lap in 39 minutes, you got one minute to rest. Um, so everybody starts the lap every, every 40 minutes. The, why this is not a backyard ultra is there's a set distance. So you can either sign up for a 50 K a marathon, a half marathon, a 10 K. Um, so everybody's done at the same time. It's not one of these like, last last person standing kind of thing um and it starts at 11 a.m and goes till 7 p.m through the hottest part of the august day in kentucky so the whole point of it is to be hot and miserable but um it's a great like like i said berea kentucky is where i went to college i got married there my kids were born there it's a great city great little trail town uh, we're doing it in their city park which has some great uh, walking paths, paved paths, but, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's going on in, uh, in the first weekend of August. So that's our new one. So that one's, uh, just sort of like kind of closing out the summer and just kind of a big, a big party. And I'm really excited for that one. Real excited to do a, to do a race in Berea where I spent so much of my adult life. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah uh leaving myself on mute to speak uh, um this is almost like this is my first show um but yeah so there's a couple more questions from the chat um the first one i want to get to because a lot of people are in the chat talking about breaks ultra right now um samuel hartman wants to know hey mike what's that last climb like during the breaks race it's all right i mean it's okay <laughs> so that that is that is my favorite race um and by far um if you're if races are children and you're not supposed to pick your favorite but i've got a favorite and it's that one i love directing that race it's my favorite one um it's it's one everybody always gives me shit saying that like i design races just to be a dick and like just to make it as hard as i can which is not true. I do want to challenge people, but you know, um, I want to make things that are hard and challenging that I don't want to just make people miserable, but the breaks is one where I like, I did kind of go for making people miserable. <laughs> so I make you, I make them cross a river twice on foot. Uh, so they're soaking wet. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And the, and the final climb. So 
do either of you know, like, are you, are you familiar with Breaks Interstate Park or that part of the country or anything? I'm, okay. I'm roughly familiar. Samuel Hartman is actually a coworker of mine. Really? So I, I, I okay. have heard some things about the Breaks course. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, Sam rules, man. Um, uh, so yeah, the Breaks Interstate Park is an interstate park, uh, one of only two in the country, uh, which means it's, it's basically a state park that's in both Virginia and Kentucky. Um, so, um, we do the race there and right alongside, right along the border is Pine Mountain, this big ass mountain in, uh, Southwest Virginia, Southeast Kentucky. Um, top of that, the ridge line of that mountain kind of forms the border between the two States. And the, the breaks got the name because the, the river there made this deep, this deep Canyon, which is depending on how you measure canyons, um, the deepest gorge this side of the Mississippi. Um, so they lay claim to that at least. Um, and so that race, basically we have them go down into the gorge, climb up out of it. And then once they climb up out of the gorge, they climb up on top of the mountain, come back off the mountain. I make them go back up the mountain. Um, and then as, as Sam was alluding to, um, the final climb at, so it's a 45 mile race. It's probably about mile 43, uh, when you have to climb out of, uh, the Canyon and the trail, which I didn't build. I didn't build the trail. I just, I just told people to follow the trail that is clearly marked by the park. <laughs> it has a name and everything, but this thing just, it, it really does. Um, it's, it's an insane grade and there's photos on, on the website. We can maybe even post them somewhere after this of when I went down and sort of took the video of myself, uh, going up it. And I've, you're literally, you literally have to put your hands like climb up it like a ladder. It's so steep. Um, uh, it's, a an eight or 900 foot climb, you know, which doesn't sound that incredible, but once you've, once you're, you've already climbed about 11,000 feet, uh, that day and you're 43 miles in and some people are doing it in the dark. Um, it's a brutal, it's just a brutal, it's terrible. It's a terrible climb. Uh, I hate it, but I love it. Um, and, and yeah, uh, that, that is my favorite race though. Cause it is, um, it's a, it's an extreme challenge. I, I say that when I'm promoting the race, like this is not the one to do for your first ultra. Um, and, uh, but, man, the look on people's faces when they finally finish that one is unlike anything. Like a lot of people will finish a 50 K even in red river gorge, which is a tough race at, at the rough trail 50 K they'll finish that one, but they'll still be high five and stuff. People finish the breaks and they just go and they sit down and they're just like, they're not even tired. They're just like, just they they have no soul left in them. <laughs> and they'll just go and sit on a picnic table. And I, I go over and I'll be like, good job, man. You all right. And they'll just, they'll just sort of go like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, and then they disappear. They go back to their hotel room and never speak to me again. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, Wesley wants to know, since Brakes registration opened last Friday, are there still spots available that sold out yet? No, not yet. No. Um, well, it's not quite half full. So Wesley, well, you better plenty. sign up. Yes. Plenty to go. Um, and then Eric Anderson has a question. Um, it says, uh, regarding COVID, uh, North Carolina, they're still, everything's very much up in the air. Um, kind of, how are you feeling going into this year and what are your kind of plans for mitigating that as you move forward? I'm hopeful. Um, I'm still like realistically worried about the big turtle race in, in April. Mm -hmm. Um, cause kind of like I alluded to before with, uh, these communities, I do care about these communities. I, I go in and um, a lot of these communities with their, their tourism boards, they've given us money through sponsorships and, and helped us like get these, these things off the ground. So I care about these communities. I don't want to bring in uh, two, three, 400 people um, if they don't want me to. Um, so that one's in, in late April. So I, I am, I believe we'll be able to do the race. I've already sort of let all the runners know that it's going to be highly restricted. I've kind of canceled all the other, peripheral activities, if you will, like the Friday night dinner, Friday night and announcements meeting. We're not doing any of that. And just kind of, it's going to be like, like the breaks was this past year, uh, show up that morning. I'll give you your bib. Let's run cross the finish line, go home, you know, no, no post-race celebration, unfortunately. So, and, and we've, 
you know, we've done, we've made some other adjustments too. We've, we've staggered the start line, the start, the start times. And I think we'll be able to have it. Um, but I'm, I'm not uh, naive enough to think that we're out of the woods with it yet. Excuse me. Um, everything else, most of our races, you know, we're, my, my races are in June, August, September, October, December. So they're later in the year. I'm really not that worried about those. It's, it's probably the ones here within the next six months that I'm still like, okay, I'm confident. I'm, I'm planning ahead. I'm trying to mitigate everything I can. Um, I don't think we'll have to cancel, but as you know, like this, this, this shit turns on a dime, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're, I mean, if I, if we were to have a race today, there's some races that were in March that have already canceled, uh, like, uh, uh, land between the lakes, which I mentioned earlier out in West Kentucky, uh, they're in, um, mid late March. They, they announced the other day that they're canceling. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. So, you know, I, I still feel good about April still, because like, that's a much bigger race. Than, than the big turtle i've limited the big turtle to 350 people um staggering everybody out so i think we'll still be able to have it um but i i think we'll still be wearing masks well into the fall probably um at, at most of these things uh, at least the the volunteers and staff will um it'll it'll probably be you know maybe the rough trail 50k in december we might be you know maskless and high-fiving and hugging but i think we'll still be talking covid like well into the fall i think um as far as races being canceled i'm i'm only worried about like kind of those between now and june um and i'm and i'm not that worried about cancellations i'm more worried about communities uh asking us to you know like cut down the number of runners or like move it to a different location not do anything indoor you know just trying you know asking us to make programmatic changes that can sort of uh, lessen the impact. Um, so I still think we'll be able to have them. I actually have, uh, hopefully I'm having a conversation with like the judge executive and the health department in Moorhead this coming week. Um, so I'm in, I'm talking to them all the time. So it's not like, um, you know, when something changes, I'll know and the runners will know right away. Um, try not to have another rough trail episode where I have to cancel a week, a week out. That sucked. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine that would be tough. Yeah. Decision too. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, we may be through the, you know, fall wearing masks. Um, but I, I am very excited for the that vision of eventually just partying at a race. Like the before and the after and the just like you said, that like the hug and the high five and all of the people being all friendly. So other people aren't friendly now, it's you know, that extra piece. So yeah, well, I mean, you don't really, you kind of get to know people on the trail, but I mean, especially me as a, a Sam, who, who is commenting earlier, um, has become a good friend of mine. Um, and that's because he's come down to, to Kentucky to, to do a few of my races, um, but he hangs out afterwards. I remember uh, meeting him at the Rough Trail 50K a few years ago after he ran, and he was just down sitting by the fire. And I walked down to the fire to warm my hands up because it's cold and started chatting, you know. So that's where all these relationships and friendships come in. It's it's the Friday night and it's um, that race afternoon after people finish and they hang around. And um, so that's what that's what's kind of a bummer for me right now is because um, because that's where I meet all all of all of these runners, you know, is after they're done and then we can talk about it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm anxious for that too, because it's kind of, it's kind of lonely for me. It's, I feel kind of, I feel really shitty too at these races. Like, all right, good job. Now leave, please leave. <laughs> Cause you know, so, but that's, that's the world we live in right now. And it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that for a while. And I think, I think it's going to change a lot just permanently in how we do races too honestly covid but um yeah i mean we can, we can get into that if you want but um that's a that's a, a bigger conversation yeah i think i think gone are the days of a man popping out of the woods and running up to an aid station and me not asking questions before he dips his hand into a communal bowl of food <laughs> how reckless uh, were we pro probably for the best to be fair I, that's crazy like, oh, that's funny yeah 
we would just, we would just, I mean, I did it. I, I organized these races and I would tell volunteers, oh no, 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 don't worry about it. Just put the, put the M&Ms in a bowl and set them on a table. And it's fine. No, no problem. And then just people coming out like this guy just crapped. This person mm-hmm. just threw up. This person just fell and has blood all over their hands, but they're all grabbing. And <laughs> we were so reckless. Like we didn't, we didn't care. And, and you're right. You're right, Cam. I mean, those days are over. Like you're never going to see, at least in my races, uh, another just like open vat mm-hmm. of PB and J's and just telling people, help yourselves. <laughs> That's that's gone, man. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. think about that changing and staying changed. That that's yeah. a that's a great comment. We need to like make a meme out of that one or something. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we got a we got another chat question from Michael Gamp. Um, we touched on this a little bit already, but he wants to know how you've gotten the communities down there to be so welcoming to the trail runners. He says that they are just so friendly and helpful. I th- I think like anything. Um, you know, if you think about where you guys grew up, you know, um, I grew up in West Virginia and most of my family's from West Virginia. Um, I spent the last 20 years in Kentucky. Um, and like anything where, where you're from your own little, your own little culture that you grew up in your community, you want to share that with people, you know, when, when you meet somebody who's not from, where you're from, you want to be like, Oh, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about our local beer or this local thing that we make, or this thing I did when I was growing up, people just want to share their culture with you, I think. Um, so I think that's, I think it's partly a, a two way street because trail runners on the whole, I think, and, and, and runners and, and maybe just people are, are just, you know, um, nice. Um, and, and particularly the trail running community. So I think it, it's both, you know, you, you have the, these kind and energetic people who chose to come here, you know, they, they chose to buy a plane ticket or whatever to come to this community. And a lot of these people in the community, they're local business owners, you know, they, they own the gas station, they own the, the Airbnb or the cabin that you rented. They're just grateful because, you know, as a small business owner, I know, like I am thankful for every, Oh, you spent $90 to do this race. I'm, I know what $90 is for me. That's, that's a chunk of change. Um, so I I think it's, I don't think that's any, it's nothing I've done. I don't know. Um, all, all I think that Brandy and I've done is just kind of opened these people's eyes to this sport, but I didn't, uh, we didn't do anything to make them, uh, more welcoming or, or nice that uh, they just are. And I think they're happy to see people visit their community who do it in a responsible way. You know, I think that's one thing that, that, that trail running, uh, that the trail running community always does is that when we come in for, when we come into a town for a race, um, we don't want to just, uh, you know, fuck the place up. You know, none of us try to uh, like go in and litter and act crazy Um, we just, we're there to run we're we're there to have a good time. And so I think the people who live and work in those communities, they see that and they see that we're being respectful. So, um, yeah, I don't think we did anything. We just kind of brought the race there and people are just who they are. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I think that's a really great point, you know, and to kind of surmise that, right. Like people want to share things, right. Like I'm a nine, two tour. And if you know what that means, you know exactly what that means, but I assume nobody here does, (laughs) Because uh, it's very specific to the part of Ohio that I'm from. Okay. Um, but yeah, with that said, um, Mike Anderson wants to know if the Redbird Crest 100K is gone forever. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, that's that's one of our races. Like I said, we were faking it till we make fake it till you make it, and uh, a lot of these races we tried to do. Um, and they had significant challenges for one reason or another. And, um, we just decided not to do them. Um, some of those challenges were like logistics and just made it too difficult, um, to put on, even though the trails may have been great and the route may have been great. And then just the, the scenery may have been fantastic. I mean, let's just, Hey, I'll just be totally honest with you. The Redbird crest where we staged the race, um, was this trailhead where there was this parking lot 
Um, and it seems like you look at that and you pull up and you're like, this would be a great place. There's plenty of parking um, right here on the trail. Great. But there was no electricity. There was no running water and there was no shelter. So we had to like pack all that in there. I had to rent generators um, and haul in generators and um, uh, go into the city uh, to fill up all the water jugs and haul all those back. I, and if something, if we ran out of water, we had to run, run into the city to get more water. Um, it was just kind of a nightmare <laughs> in terms of that. Um, so, so that's why like we've done a few races that we're probably not going to do again, even though they were, the race itself was fantastic. Um, I think it just made it not feasible for us to, to do it, you know, from, from our standpoint as race directors, it was like, I'm, it's almost like one of those where the juice isn't worth the squeeze kind of thing. We're like, we're working so hard just to get water and electricity there. And as, as hard as we worked to promote it, I think we, the most we had at that race was 50 people. So it's not like it was, um, um, making headlines <laughs> or anything. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I think that one's that one and a couple of the other ones that we've done in the past are just are archived. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a chance to take a breath real quick. Cause uh, we've been talking a lot tonight about stuff. And uh, I want to remind everyone that, you know, we're just getting started this year. Regeners has a lot of fun content coming at you. Um, we've got a film coming out in the next month. Um, we also have a lot of Regeners lives, boss talks and everything else coming at you. So if we've earned a if we've earned a subscription, please click that subscription box below. Um, give us a follow. We greatly appreciate it. And it helps us out a lot. Um, and then I will hand it back over to, to Cam to roll into our quick questions for the end of the evening. Yeah. All right. And we want to thank you guys for sticking with us this late. Um, I am really stoked to hear these answers from Michael because we've talked a lot about his races, but not a ton about like his own running. So I think this is going to help us to get to know him a little bit better. And so we're going to start this with the one question that I love um, and that I cannot let people get out without asking. But if ultra running had walk up songs like baseball, Michael, what would yours be? Ooh, uh, can I pick like the Darth Vader song, Darth Vader theme song that would kick ass. I'm, I'm going to say yes okay. or, for that one. Or yeah. maybe the, the, that like, that operatic song in episode one, Star Wars episode one, with Dar when Darth Maul. Oh, Duel of Fates. His dual lightsaber. Yes. Yeah, I know that song. You That's a good choir. One. Oh, yeah. That one. That one. Okay, that one's on Nerd Spotify, alert. so this can be on the. <laughs> that's gonna be on it. So we have we have the best Spotify playlist. So if you listen to it, it's just the genre changes is like startling when you're running. But yeah, this is that, gonna add to it. If that played mm -hmm. to the race, I would I would certainly win for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, all the other race directors who are listening to this with your little Costco Bluetooth speaker, you now know what not to play. <laughs> but yeah, we've talked about aid stations a bit tonight and, you know, all the questionable things we've done before reaching into communal bulls at them. But Michael, what's one thing you can't leave an aid station without? Oh, if they have watermelon, I'm, I'm diving in. I, I don't care how hot or cold it is outside. If there's watermelon there i'm all up in some watermelon um other than that i don't i don't i don't like go crazy at aid stations i normally pack like what i want but i will not pass up some watermelon never <laughs> all right and do you have any pre-race rituals uh no not really honestly um i do make sure i yeah, just like every morning i drink some coffee but no not really I don't have a special pair of socks or anything like that, that I always wear. Just, yeah. Try to treat it like a normal, a normal day. Okay. And any big post-race indulgences that you always do? <sighs> I try, I really try. Um, but no, like after a, a long race, I can't eat. Like my mouth feels all weird for like 24 hours. So like I always try to go out, out to eat and eat something crazy, but I can't. So I, Normally, I just kind of want to go to sleep. <laughs> so I'm so mm -hmm. bored. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just a couple more. Um, we are going to interject one from the chat. Um, this is Samuel Hartman again. But he asks, does Mike have any secret races planned for 2022? And I can't let that one go. <laughs> I'm working on a couple. Yes. 
Um, but that's all. They're secret, man. I can't give you any more than that. Yeah, I have, I have two that I have like sent emails about, hey, can I get a permit if I wanted to do something like this? So, yeah. Potential. All right. That's, that's good to know. Everybody, please keep an eye out for uh, any future emails from Michael. And so this will be our last question. Um, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner, let's just assume they'll keep up with you or keep your pace to have a good conversation on a long run with you. Who would it be and where would you run? Ooh, can I get serious? Yeah, like, you can absolutely get serious. Be? Okay. Um, ah, I'd, I'd hate to like bring the temperature down too much, but I would say my dad, um, I would run with my father. My dad um, died in a plane crash when I was seven. Um, so never really got to have a conversation with him as an adult or anything. And um, I know he was really athletic and like did some local, you know, 5Ks or whatever uh, before I was born. Um, so like that would be, that would be it just to like go on a run probably somewhere in the hills of, of Southern West Virginia where he grew up. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a great 40 miler in West Virginia that, that I, that I like to do every summer and, uh, somewhere around there, those mountains are just amazing. So yeah, if I could just pick somebody that if I could have one conversation with, that would, that would be it. Not to, not to get too cheesy or, or too serious here, but, uh, yeah, that would be it. Yeah. Michael, every time we ask this question, we get better and better answers. And there, there are always heartwarming like that one was, you know, so definitely don't apologize for that. That's a great answer. Um, we just, we need to clip all of these and make a compilation of people saying just like the sweetest things, you know, um, it really kicked off. I think the first time we asked it, a woman said, well, I just want to run with my husband, <laughs> you know, and ever since they've all been really great. I keep expecting, you know, like politicians or famous people, like musicians, you know, and everybody's got such great answers. So Thank you so much for that, Michael. And thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any sponsors, anyone you'd like to thank, anything you want to plug before we uh, close the show out? Um, uh, I guess like, I, I, should, I should thank uh, Sword Performance, uh, which is our hydration drink um, founded here in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, you can look them up at like drinksword.com or swordperformance.com. That's S-W-O-R-D, Sword Performance. Um, They've been like our hydration drink since day one when I first started doing um, uh, races. They've always donated product to us on the house and, and kind of always had my back. And then I guess um, I just I, I as I mentioned in a video that I sent out to our mailing list uh, a few days ago, um, I'm just incredibly grateful to everybody who's uh, stuck with us this past year. Um, it's been a really rough year. You know, when you're in a business and the government says, you can't do your business. Um, it's It's been a tough year. And so I'm just, uh, I guess I, I need to give a shout out just to, to you and to you guys and everybody watching and listening and um, everybody not watching and listening who's just, you know, not unsubscribed from our emails and written us off. You know, I just, uh, I'm very grateful just to still um, be here, to still be talking about this kind of stuff. And um uh, I'm really hopeful for, for 2021, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm just grateful to, to everybody, especially, uh, all those friends that we've met the last five years who, uh, are still going to be there for us. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, um, closing out by echoing Matthew Hammersmith's comment here, uh, is going to be a good note. He says, congrats, Mike, glad to see your bus taking off. And we appreciate all of the support of upstate ultras down here. Cannot wait till bluegrass. Um, everybody who joined us tonight, thank you so much for joining. Once again, thank you, Michael, so much for coming on the show. This is a really great episode. Um, we'll have one probably next week. Also some uh, Road to 100 episodes with JD3. I know he get, he's got those in the works. And we are steadily working on our Rim to River 100 film. I cannot wait to share that with you guys. And I cannot wait to run this race this year. Um, just being there was so great. But anyways, we hope to see you all soon. Okay? Yeah. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. 
Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Virgin Nation. Nation.